You're listening to the Daily Mishnah Podcast with Benedict. We last met the Kohen Gadol in the middle of the night, just before Yom Kippur. So this is actually the night of Yom Kippur, but the sacrificial service doesn't start until the next morning. And they were reading to him to keep him to keep him awake. And they were maybe they were reading to him in Aramaic. That's what we found. And the Mishnah then picks up in the first chapter of Yoma on the seventh Mishnah. Bikesh lehit namnem. If he was if he started or if he wanted to, to drift off into sleep. And remember, they're not going to let him sleep this night because they're anxious that some kind of nocturnal omission would make him unfit to serve in the morning. That's really complicated if you have to appoint a new Kohen Gadol in the morning. So they're not going to let him sleep. So if he starts to drift off to sleep, the young priests would snap their finger before him. It's this kind of snapping noise, like snapping your fingers. And the the seems to be the snapping finger. I mean, it is the middle finger. Everyone understands it as the middle finger, but it's the snapping finger. So they snap their fingers. And they'd say to him, Ishi Gadol, my Lord High Priest, Amod, stand up and cool down once on the floor. Hafeg is from the verb fug, and it means to sort of cool off or evaporate, something like that. And of course, it's a cold stone floor, and they're wearing bare feet. They're not wearing shoes in the Beit Midash. So standing on the cold floor without any shoes on is clearly going to wake you up. Uma Askin. And they keep him busy until the time came for the slaughtering. In other words, the time comes to slaughter the animal. So they just keep him busy all night. Now, every day, that's on a normal day, they would they clear the altar. means to clear the altar. And it's actually referred to in Vayikra in chapter 6. I, I haven't brought you the pasuk. I but it, 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 it's referred, described there in Vayikra as taking the ashes out off the altar. And it, it's the first job that you have to do in the sacrificial service of the new day. You clear away all the old ashes. And of course, you can see why on Yom Kippur, when we're essentially clearing out the ashes of the preceding year, why it's important to think about the first, you know, clearing out the ashes from the previous day. That's the first thing they would do. And we're going to spend a two or three Mishnayot actually talking about this task and how they'd carried out. So on a regular day, they would do it mikrot hagever or at kriyat hagever. mikrot hagever or samuchlo. No one, we're not sure really how to translate mikrot hagever. I brought you Jaster on the source sheet. It might be when a man cries out. It might be when the cock crows. Of course, when we were in the Mishnah of Shkalim, we learned that there is someone whose job it is to actually call out. It was um, Gavini. Gavini was the crier. Um, Gavini Haroz. He's the announcer. So may this man's cry, maybe it's Gavini announcing that this is the time to begin the that day service, or maybe it is a maybe it's a, maybe it is a cock crow. Well, we're not quite sure. Anyway, that's when they normally begin to clear out the ashes. But Yom Kippurim mechotzot. So on Yom Kippur we start a little bit early. Whether this is indicative of the fact that we need to start clearing out the rubbish from the past year 
a little bit early to get ready for Yom Kippur, or whether it's because the high priest had a lot to do, right? So they started early, or maybe it's so that he could do it. Maybe at, at the anyway, it's, he has a lot to do. They start early. So we start from midnight. And on festivals, we start even earlier. On festivals, we start at the first watch. The night's actually divided into three watches. Each watch is four hours. So um, it's divided into thirds of four hours each. And if we think approximately as the night starting at 6 and finishing at 6 a.m., starting at 6 p.m. and ending at 6 a.m., we can see the end of the first watch is going to be 10 p.m. So that's even before midnight. And then the Mishnah continues. And it's the end of the Mishnah that makes me think we're talking about a human cry, not a cock's cry. Because the Mishnah closes. The Mikrot HaGever, that's the cry of the announcer or the cry of the cock. It wouldn't arrive until the temple court was full of the people of Israel. So it does sound at the end of the mission as if we're talking about a human process. Someone's making an announcement and they're going to make an announcement at a time when the, the, the court is full. It might mean the cock as well. And look, I brought you both definitions in Jastro just on the source sheet. And by the way, this timetable is repeated in the Mishnah and Tamid, and I, I've also brought that on the source sheet. Misha who wrote Seli Tromet on his bear. Anyone who wants to clear the altar, Mashkim Vetovel, Ad Ha Mamune, rises early and immerses before the appointed one arrives. This is someone who's organizing the rota. And at what time does this person rise? Law Kol Haitim Shavot, not. At all the same times, pamim shehuba mikrot mik. Actually, in the it's mikrot hagever. Same expression. Sometimes he comes at the cock's crow, or maybe that's the man's cry. Or samuchlo mil fanav or mil acharav, or at an adjacent time, either before it or after it. So also in the Mishnah Tamid, we have a reference this this activity and this time mikrot hagever, but we still. Don't really understand exactly when it is. However, what we do understand is anybody could clear the altar. That is any any kohen. Anybody who wants to clear the altar rises early and immerses. Most other activities in the Beit Migdash were, if you like, a little bit less, a bit less dirty and a bit more honourable. And so they will be handed out in terms of priority or by lot. But because this is a, it's just not a nice job. So the idea was that anybody who wanted to could do it. And this is described in the first Mishnah of the second chapter. Originally, anybody who wanted to clear the altar did so. Bisman. Shehen Merubin, if there were lots of people who wanted to do this, this dirty job, and I guess on Yom Kippur, there would have been a lot of people. Ratzin ve'olin bakevesh. So they'd run up, they'd race up the ramp. And he that came before his fellow within four cubits won the privilege. In other words, they'd race up the ramp. And when they got to within four cubits, four amot, that's about two yards. When they got to within two yards of the top of the altar, the one that was first 
would get the privilege. So it was a race to the a race to the top, if you like. So what if they were evenly paced? Well, in this mission, we're going to describe a process of sort of eeny, meeny, miny, mo. If two were even, this is the officer, the appointed person. The officer would say to them, finger. Hatsbiu is finger. It's translated as raise the finger. It's clear they're sticking their fingers up. Umahen motzein achat oshtaim. And they put out one or two fingers. The ein motzeim agudal bamigdash. But you, they wouldn't put a thumb out in the Beit Migdash, in the temple. So what's going on here? It's We're playing some game of eeny, meeny, miny, moe. So there'd be people standing there and they choose a number. The Rambam actually explains this very precisely. They choose a number. Let's say they choose, I don't know, 49. And they put up some fingers. So however many fingers they put up. And the officer goes 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. He counts around their fingers. He counts the fingers of everybody that's there. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. And when he gets up to 49, whichever finger is up at 49 gets the privilege. So it's like some kind of kind of random choice using division by big numbers. It's actually not that different from the way modern cryptography works, which is to divide by big numbers and look at the remainder. So it's very interesting that they used to use the same technique. And why don't we put a thumb out? Well, there seems to be some idea that you could cheat by putting a thumb out because you can hold it in different ways. And I don't think anybody really understands how the cheating works, but it, it seems to be some way of kind of getting around the fairness of the count. And it's very interesting that as Yom Kippur begins, there's this race to perform the first mitzvah of Yom Kippur, but there's also um, there's competition to perform the first mitzvah in a way that perhaps um, erodes or devalues or attacks the basic ideas of Yom Kippur. People are, are cheating. People are cheating the system in order to get in the first mitzvah. It's absolutely fascinating that we were sort of were touching on these conflicts of values right at the start of the mission of Yoma. And we'll close here. But tomorrow, as we open up the rest of the second chapter, we will see this conflict of values burst right out into the open. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Daily Mishnah Podcast with Benedict. <laughs>